how unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. I appreciate how these songs have been talking about glory and being resurrected, because that is what we are studying. Thank you, Rosalie and Dave. Uh, Rosalie and Dave have been with us for uh, about six months now, part of our group. Uh, I think it's been about six months, nine months, eight months. Okay, so, so a while now, and they're especially active in our, our uh, ministry there in Fargo at the abortion clinic uh, just making known that there are, there's hope uh, to those ladies. And so I appreciate that ministry also. So we're talking about heaven. And I brought, a, or I, I had brought, I brought a, a sign here. Because uh, we're going to have a home for sale Actually, I have a, a, a carcass for recycling coming up. I, we had the men's retreat down at Fourth Baptist this week, and, and just in preparation for that, the theme was, if you had one message to preach, what would it be? And so there were seven of us that gave, if we had one message to preach, what would it be? Well, for me, naturally, it's going to be my last message. So what is the last message that I'm going to preach? I'm going to preach from Luke chapter 7, verses 8 through 11. That's not where we're going today. We're going to heaven, but I want you to see that my message, they said, hey, we will record it, DVD, uh, uh, video, or whatever it is. We will record it, give you a a DVD of it, and... uh, because I, I, I'm going to preach it at my funeral. Now, I realize that I won't be around to put it in the machine. Uh, Dustin will or somebody will uh, put it in the machine to play it. And so I preached that uh, yesterday morning, my last message. And so you're not going to hear it until, until I'm gone. And uh, you'll probably sing at the funeral maybe. But... Uh, so I preached that, but in preparing for it and in preaching it, uh, I had to prepare myself, for, I had to think about heaven. Of course, I've been doing that now for this last month, we've been looking at heaven. I've got a, a, a house for sale, I've got, because I'm not going to need it that much longer. And let me tell you, you're, you've got a house for sale, in my case it's recycling, maybe yours will be better. Um, but for me, it will be recycling, a home for sale. I won't need the, the house that I have. Cindy will use it maybe for a few years after that. But um, I ran across this letter, and it's from the late Harry Reamer, and he penned it to Charles E. Fuller of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. And some of us can even remember back to listening to that on the radio 
This is the way his letter went. Next Sunday, you are talking about heaven. I'm interested in that land because I've held a clear title to a bit of property there for over 50 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation. It's not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I've been sending materials, out of which the greatest architect of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need remodeling or repairs because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundation, for it rests upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No lock or bolts will ever be placed upon the doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands, now almost completed and almost ready for me to enter in and abide in peace eternally without fear of being rejected. There is a valley of deep shadow between this place where I live and that to which I shall journey in the very short time. I cannot reach my home in that city without passing through this valley. But I am not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all its gloom. He stuck with me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago. And I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake me or leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I shall not lose my way because he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next Sunday, but I have no assurance I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I'm ready to go, and I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday evening, but I will meet you there someday. What a great letter. I hope that gives you a little view of heaven. That's important as we've been studying there, uh, our bodies will be changed. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I read these often during funerals. And I think we read this two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago in talking about what happens to our bodies. But I want to read, uh, I want to read through the first eight verses. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, first eight verses, and as I read it, you'll recognize that the tabernacle is talking about the, the body, uh, the tabernacle and tent, they, they're, they're interchanged here. I like his using the tent idea. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. So he's going from a tent to a building. And house, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. 
For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in this body, this tent, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at heaven a little bit this morning, draw our attention to it to the point where we lose some of our attention for this life, for the tents and tabernacles and houses and boats and, and toys and TVs and in electronics and all the things that have captivated our attention in this life, might we kind of lose some of that this morning as we think of what you provided, or you, you prepared for us in glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we get rid of these old tents someday. Now, if, it's, if the rapture doesn't happen in the next a hundred years, it's a guarantee for all of us, we will get rid of these old tents. They will be gone. There's a tombstone in London, England, that goes like this. Beneath these clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. This is not Pease, it is only his pod. Pease has shelled out and gone home to God. I'm thinking of changing my name just so that I can have this on my tombstone. Um, because I'm going home to God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And since the resurrection of these old carcasses or ashes or dust or whatever we leave upon this earth, that does not happen until the rapture. There is an intermediate body. There is a, a transitional body that we will receive, that I will receive, when my, my old body is here in a casket in front of First Baptist Church, the, uh, my soul will be encased in a transitional body until the rapture, and where my body then will become a transformed body. And so I look forward to that, uh, to my transitional body even, and we appear to know each other in heaven, and we've looked at this in the last few weeks, and, and the relationships that we have now can continue, that can continue to grow. Our love for each other can continue to grow. Um, do those in heaven know what is happening on this earth? I used to say, no. And the reason I said that is because of Revelation chapter 21. And you can have your opinion, I can have mine like I say, I don't agree with me half the time, so if you don't agree with me, that's okay. Uh, I, I believe that, that now we are allowed uh, vision in heaven, or at least to know somewhat uh, some of the things that go on. Now, I say that because uh, Jesus said there will be rejoicing in heaven when one soul comes to repentance. He says it again the second time he says it in the same chapter. I think that it's there in Luke. 
uh, maybe 12, he, he says it the second time and maybe confuses it a little more, but he says, and in the presence of angels, there is rejoicing when one soul comes to repentance. Now, angels don't really understand salvation because they've never experienced salvation. They must have been scratching their heads when Jesus came down here to this earth. We know that a choir of them sang and uh, protected Jesus from Satan, according to Revelation there, when Satan is waiting for the, uh, the child to be born. And so they were protecting him, but they sang and the shepherd, scared the shepherds to death, but they declared his glory on that day. But uh, angels really don't understand salvation. In my mind, I see in the presence of angels all of those that have gone on before us that are believers. And some way they hear that their loved one got saved. Maybe Jesus said, hey, you want to come here a minute? I want you to see something. Look down there. You see, oh, you know, that's my son. That's my grandson. That's the guy I've been praying for for 40 years. And he's on his knees. What's happening? Hey, listen to him. And he tunes up the volume a little bit. I know it's not really happening this way. but uh, And you hear him cry out, dear Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Please save me. And there's rejoicing in heaven when that takes place. Uh, I, primarily, I going to Revelation 21 when I would say, no, you're not going to know what's going on. Nobody's going to know what's going on uh, except Jesus and maybe the angels. And the reason I said that is because in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no tears. And I'm looking forward to that time. But you realize that the new heaven and the new earth does not come for a thousand seven years from the rapture. And so it's the end of that millennial reign when the, judgment, white, the great white throne judgment takes place and, and God, with a broken heart, casts those that have rejected him, steal their hearts against the Holy Spirit, and he has to cast them into the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels, not for people. And so... Uh, then the new heaven and the new earth is created. And then there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrows, there will be no more pain, all of these things. I believe there will be a few times in heaven where we will experience tears. I think at the judgment seat of Christ, where all believers will stand before him, and a judgment seat of Christ is really called the Bema Seat which is the place where there are rewards that are given out. And you're going to be rewarded, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians, you're going to be rewarded by whether the things you did on this earth were wood, hay, and stubble, or the things you did on this earth were gold, silver, and precious stone. And I, I don't know. I believe maybe I will shed some tears there because I had so many opportunities to... Uh, to have gold, wood, uh, gold, silver, and precious stone, and instead I chose the wood, hay, and stubble. And so I may 
shed some tears at that time. I may shed some tears at the great right throne judgment if we're allowed to watch at the end of the millennial reign, if we're allowed to watch and we're sitting there and I see friends that I never shared Christ with come and fall on their faces before the judge, Jesus Christ. And he has to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, and he is cast into the lake of fire. I may shed tears there. But after that, the new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21, uh, will not experience these things. And the heaven we go to will be a place of joy. And Paul got to look into heaven, and uh, at least, and he, he describes it as, I knew a man. But from the description, you know he's talking about himself. Whether in the body or out of the body, he was caught up into the third heaven. And the third heaven is, you know, our atmosphere, the planets, and then the seat, the throne of God, and Christ there at this time. So uh, I believe that, going back to, I, I believe that we will know we will get to see some of the things that happen on this earth if we, if we die before the rapture. Now, there's another passage in Revelation that we're going to look at maybe next Sunday or the Sunday after that will reveal a lot of things that we just don't think about. Uh, what will you be like in heaven, in your new home? You will be you. You will be you. At least... Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, they were themselves, weren't they? Moses was himself. Elijah was himself. Lazarus was himself in heaven. Uh, I will be Dave Grotsky, only without the bad parts. And now, I'm a little concerned because I'll probably be called David Grotsky. You guys can call me Dave up there, okay? But Jesus didn't say Abe and Ike and Jake. He said Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he may call me David when I'm there. But I will be me and you will be you. Uh, I, in, in Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 16, these are some of the places where God calls them their names. They are them. They are not some spirit beings. Uh, now, I also believe in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, it says, and I will, I will qualify this and say, he is writing to the church at Pergamos. And what he says is, I will give unto the overcomers a white stone. And in this white stone is a new name that only two beings are going to know what that name is, you and God, or Jesus Christ. And so you're going to be given another name. But you're not going to be able to tell anybody what that name is. It's just between you and Christ, at least uh, for the, the overcomers in Pergamos. And I'm just assuming that it's going to be given. We're going to all get a white stone with a new name. It's going to be, uh, I consider it a pet name. Maybe it's going to be given uh, some characteristic of you. 
if you've been really faithful. Maybe your name will be Faithful, your, your pet name. Or maybe you know, Tanya help, helps me with the, the door out here on Sunday mornings. Opens the door, holds the door. And so maybe Tanya's stone, when she looks inside and sees what that name is, might be doorkeeper. Ah, wouldn't that be great? Uh, to have a, a name, a pet name. So we will be us, but we, at least those of Pergamos, will receive a pet name, a new name. And so we will have private thoughts in heaven. Because at least those, whoever gets a white stone will have a thought, a private thought, because nobody else knows but that person and Jesus. Um, we have individual identity down here, don't we? We've got, uh, we've got fingerprints. We've got DNA. Uh, they're using eye things, uh, eye recognitions. We have uh, individual identities here, and that we will have that in the resurrection. Individual identities. Not a reincarnation into somebody else or something else or some creepy crawly or, or whatever. We will be resurrected as us in glory. Uh, Matthew 18.10, Jesus describes how there are are uh, guardian angels for children. And so, when, when babies die or children die, they don't become angels. They are human. Humans are humans. Angels are angels. Jesus remained Jesus, even though his, he wasn't recognized a couple of times, uh, maybe it was because his, uh, his uh, transformed body was enough different that at first they didn't recognize him. Then they did recognize him. Mary Magdalene in the garden. Sir, do you know where they have taken my master, uh, his, his body? And so, uh, but we, he remained Jesus. So what will heaven be like? We've been looking at our, our bodies in the past few weeks. What will heaven be like? It's being prepared today, or it began being prepared. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I, where I am, there ye may be also. And, and I'm going to make sure that you get there. We're going to spend our lives together. Turn to Matthew chapter 6, because heaven is described in a number of different ways. And I think we put them all together, we understand a little bit more about heaven. The goal of these messages isn't to teach us a lot of facts, uh, because we do not know a lot about heaven, but teach you some things about heaven so that we think about heaven. I'm just, I'm just concerned that we spend so much time thinking about here that we lose sight of there. And we ought not do that. Death should not be scary other than the fact of you've got to die first. And none of, we, none of us have done that yet. And so it, it's a little scary knowing that you've got to step through this door. And, and the, even just to get to the door hurts. 
Now, how much hurt will I have to go through uh, before I open that door and get the relief? This past week, talking to a number of people, and uh, uh, several of them are not here this morning. I'm sure it's because pastor is just becoming so hard. It is just, it's a struggle just to get out of bed anymore. It's a struggle to walk. And so they're not here because I'm sure it's just a, it's just a struggle. And so that part of death can, can worry us some, but not what's on the other side of the door. It is far better, Paul said. So how is heaven described? Matthew 6, verse 19. Start there, read through some of these verses. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And you're saying, well, usually you hear that before the offering is taken. Well, no, this is, uh, lay not up for yourself treasures before or upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break in, th- break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Too often our hearts are stuck here. Uh, invest in a glory, as, uh, as the letter said, uh, Harry Reamer, yeah, I've invested in glory for 50 years or a half of a century, so he's building a house for me there with the investments I've set, uh, sent forth. And so heaven is likened unto a bank, a secure place. And this is better than long-term investments. But even with long-term investments, what, what does your, your uh, financial advisor tell you about preparing for retirement, no matter what age you are? He says, begin now. And well, I'm, I'm only 20 years old. Begin now. Hey, I'm only... 30 years old, begin now. The earlier you begin, the better it is. More so in our investments to heaven. Begin now. Don't wait till you're older and before you start sharing your faith with Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ with others. Begin now. Don't wait until you're older. Often it is easier when you are younger. And it's easier if you begin when you're younger. It is better if you begin investing in glory, in your eternity. Now, through your faithfulness, through uh, your service, through the gold, silver, precious stone, rather than the wood, hay, and stubble. In Revelation 21, it talks about the temple of God. Heaven is described as a temple. And it's a place where God will sit upon the throne it is a building in John 14, uh, and I've quoted those verses a number of times through this session, uh, through this study, a building, a house, a city. Abraham looked for the city of God, it, so it's vast, uh, it, a country, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Abraham travels to the country of God looking for the city of God, so heaven is vast, It's called an inheritance in Acts chapter 20, in Colossians 1, and Peter 
First uh, Peter chapter one, an inheritance. It's valuable. I hope that we see heaven is valuable, and it's more valuable as we invest in it. It's called paradise. Today you shall be with me in paradise. So, and that was the thief on the cross. So, what is paradise? This is, this is probably a second favorite description of heaven for me. Paradise. Coming from Montana, you know, I look back. We go back there every now, once a year maybe. We, for a while we hadn't gone, but we did this past year. Uh, back to, to Montana, in the mountains. But, see, paradise isn't a Hebrew word. Paradise isn't a Greek word. Paradise isn't a Roman word. Paradise is a Persian word. So what does it mean to those, or what did it mean to those in Persia? Well, it was the residence of the Persian ruler. And it describes the description that paradise gives is a place of trees and gardens and flowers and streams and ponds and fish and animals and and uh, especially peacocks back in their day. You know, peacocks, beautiful things. I, I love that picture of heaven. Uh, ponds, it must be fish. You can fish in streams, trout, the streams, uh, animals. In, in descriptions that were given, especially in Isaiah, in Isaiah 65, it describes some of the animals, the lion and the lamb and... and uh, the cattle, and uh, even snakes. Boo! Now you've just diminished heaven for me. Well, no, the, the children can play with the snakes. Boo! I know. But uh, they will not bite, and so uh, heaven is a good picture for us. It's also our Father's house. And that, I'm trying to make that the, my favorite picture of heaven. Be, and if those of you that had uh, fathers that, that abused you, and I know a number of you have, uh, this is, that's a hard concept, isn't it? For me, I had a great father, a great father-in-law, Jack Phillips, and, and so my father's house, a great place. I, I want, I, for my grandkids, I want our house to be a, a great place, Papa's house. And so in my Papa's house, I, I want to have that same feeling to my father in heaven. And the better I get to know him, the more excited I am to see him in glory, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so uh, heaven is an actual place, thinking of why uh, paradise is, I love that picture. You know, right now, with all this rain that we've had, I hope that your backyards look like paradise. <laughs> I went back, I got home uh, yesterday afternoon, and... Uh, not all critters are created equal. And we've got this critter in our backyard that I'm trying to catch. 
and uh, give him a free ride to the bottom of a lake or something. But uh, back there in the backyard, check, and I walked over to uh, our dahlias now. Now, some of you were at the picnic, and they just kept going. You know, the, the, our dahlias, the, there was a, a, one of these dinner plate orange dahlias that was nine feet tall. I mean, it was a foot and a half above what I could reach. The cannas around their garden area are now at least 11 or 12 feet high. They've shot out these red plumes. Paradise. And I stood out there and said, thank you, Jesus, giving me a, a view of heaven. Paradise. So I hope that we spend time thinking. It is an actual place. Where is it? We'll begin there next week. Where is heaven? Because that's a question you might be asked. I know that some of you have been asked that because uh, you've discussed, uh, discussed that with me. Hey, somebody asked, where is heaven? What do I tell them? Uh, we'll look at that next week, where it is, uh, the city that is there, that it houses, and to look at other things about heaven next week. I hope that it's just getting you thinking about heaven. And maybe when you think about heaven, you'll think about investing more in heaven. I'm not talking about your wallets. I'm talking about your lives, investing in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for preparing a place for those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that we might be certain before we leave these halls right here. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Have you